Connecting Coaches Cognition. Coaching with Courtney and Christensen. As a busy coach, you spend all day refueling, revamping, and reflecting with educators. Now is the time to stop and recharge your batteries with some much-needed coaching for the coach. Welcome back to another episode of C3. I'm Courtney Groskin, and I'm here with... Violet Christensen. Violet, what's new in your world? New in my world. It was, um, I had a refreshing coaching session the other day, and I was just really enjoying working with a new team of teachers, and they um, actually are brand new to the profession in this moment as far as going into licensed teachers. They're doing some um, alternative licensing and got to step in mid-year, and um, to coach teachers through their first conference session and just trying to plan for that and make sure that they're ready and make sure that everything's aligned. It was just really refreshing to see those like new teacher jitters and those new teacher excitements and to be able to reconnect with that, that part of your past. So that was um, just one of those, you know, you have those sessions that stand out and that just happened to be one of them in this month that made me smile and made me excited for education because we talk a lot about retention and so sometimes just being able to talk to the fresh, the fresh edu- educators brings you back to your core. Yeah, I was reading an article on Chalkbeat the other day and like the importance of being so positive with new teachers. Um, and it was written from the perspective of a student teacher um, entering a school and saying like, please, like I've wanted to do this my whole life. Make this a positive experience for me. Um, so thank you for highlighting the positive coaching of new teachers. Absolutely. And it just makes you go back to your moments and your original jumping into education. And I just think it's um, it's something that we have to make sure that we're, we're spreading that light and spreading that sunshine. And um, on that same note, if you will, it's just it's fun looking forward to spring break and just getting excited. You know, this is such a amped up time of the school year that um, I'm enjoying with my own children, just making plans and um, projects and day trips for that spring break time. Is there Anything fun that you're looking forward to, Courtney, in, in rolling into March here? Well, hopefully we will stop getting snowstorms in the middle of the week um, and I can dig my garden out. I keep That would be wonderful. <laughs> looking at all my seeds and thinking about like where I want to put them. And I'm like, I can't even see my garden because it's covered in ice and snow. Um, so I'm looking forward to some warmer weather coming up in March. And, you know, we've been lucky the past few spring breaks of getting that nice warm up that week and getting outside and getting the garden cleaned out. I won't start planting for a little bit, but just the thought of getting some time outside is always refreshing. Also been doing a lot of coaching around next steps for educators. Um, Do they want a grade level change? Do they want to change schools? Kind of, you know, I feel like coming out of this COVID situation, people actually have the capacity to think about like, oh, I've been teaching this grade for five years. I might need a change now. So helping them kind of find where they might fit and what they want to do for the next year. Absolutely. That's so refreshing to have somebody to be a thought partner in that and to be able to figure out your next steps in education. Yeah, definitely. We want to keep teachers happy and empower them to choose, you know, if they want to change. That's always an exciting time. Today we have Star Saxstein, who has been an educator for 20 years and is currently a full-time education consultant, instructional coach, and speaker. Star received national board certification in 2012 and was recognized as an outstanding educator that year by Education Update. 
Association and served as the New York State Director for JEA. She was named an ASCD Emerging Leader Class of 2016 and had the opportunity to give a TEDx talk called A Recovering Perfectionist Journey to Give Up Grades and has spoken on the Red Dot Cafe in affiliation with the TEDx San Antonio about grading practices. She's the author of many educational books and she also blogs on Education Week teacher at work in progress and has contributed to several other publications. Welcome, Star. Star, welcome to C3. We are absolutely thrilled to have you here and to be able to share you with our listeners in the coaching world. Can you start by telling us about your background in education and how you've gotten to this amazing point you are within your career? Sure. So I spent 16 years as a teacher in New York City public schools. I was a high school English teacher um, and journalism. And in that time, I also had the pleasure of working with JEA as a state director. And then I was an instructional coach for a little bit. And then I became a um, district curriculum leader for humanities. And in that time, I had the pleasure of working with so many great teachers and kids, specifically as I was moving toward some major assessment reform um, and thinking about uh, the way that we did learning in, in our shared spaces. And um, it, it's been a great pleasure. It, it, it's funny to kind of look back on my career at this point. This would have been year 22 if I stayed in the classroom. And I think that at, at this point, I'm the COO of Mastery Portfolio, which is a company that specifically works with schools to transition away from traditional assessment and grading. So I get to live in my passion work all the time. And I also still consult and work with teams as an instructional lead to do like visible learning work and helping folks with clarity and assessment, um, which are my passions. I could actually kind of geek out about assessment. Um, some people, I think don't really get the nuance and excitement that is, you know, how you can include kids in that process. And um, I, it is always awesome to watch teachers kind of get it when you give them an opportunity or they try something out that they felt like wasn't going to work. And then when it works so much better than they were expecting um, and they report back and they're ready to like try more Um it's the best feeling in the world. Almost as good as when you could see the light going on for kids when you're in the classroom with them. Nothing's better than that, I think, in education. Yeah, you bring such a wealth of knowledge and a rich background. I mean, you've written numerous books on a various range of topics. Um, today, we're going to be diving in with that leadership lens in mind. How do you help teachers know when it's time to leave the classroom for a leadership role? So I think... One of the hardest things, especially when you love being in the classroom, is making that choice to kind of walk away because I know for me personally, I worried that my impact wouldn't be as great. I worried that I wouldn't like it very much. I worried that um, there were a lot of things like going to the dark side kind of stuff. People saying, you know, like somehow that would change who I was as a person because I switched roles. And so when you're starting to make that decision, I, I, I always like to counsel people to sort of do like a pro and con list first. What are the things you love? What are the things you're, you know, most afraid of losing? Um, and then, you know, kind of hash it out that way. And then after you've kind of made those lists and you've seen what else is out there um, and kind of take the opportunity to look around, I'll say that 
my transition from instructional coaching into leadership was probably not the most typical sort of transition. Um, I didn't have a license, um, but when I read the job description for the job I ended up getting, I was certain that I could do it well. And I think when you're in the classroom for a really long time and you've been in schools for a really long time, you've been on every committee, you've kind of done a lot of leaders, like teacher leadership roles. So in my mind, I was like, you know, if I could be the administrator I always wanted, then maybe I could do it differently than how I was led. So I would just say, like, if you're starting to get bored at your current role and you're ready to stretch and your ego and your confidence could take a little bit of a, you know, when you're switching into something new, even though you've been around for a long time, it is a huge adjustment when you're not living bell to bell anymore. So just kind of learning how to navigate those kinds of things and thinking about the goals and the impact you want to have before you make that final decision. I think that that's ultimately what swayed me. Someone said once, you could reach so many more kids when you're a leader than when you're in the classroom. And that's kind of a thing that got me to be like, you know, when you put it that way, I guess I can reach more kids that way. So that's, that's what I would say. All of those areas of careful consideration in order to gauge that impact and where you can truly be able to touch the most lives. And, and that's just powerful, Star. We appreciate that thought. And I know at this point in the year when we're coming to, you know, this, this fourth quarter or the last trimester, depending on where and how you are, a lot of our teachers are starting to think about what they want to do next year, what's on the horizon. And, and really they're wrestling with that, that scratchiness of, do I want to jump? Do I not? As you're speaking about, um, tell us what advice would you give to those educators who are considering in moving into those leadership roles? What should they know as they're taking that leap? Sure. First of all, it's never a bad idea to interview. Even even if you don't end up going just to get a sense of what folks are looking for. And I would say when, when you go on those interviews, don't be afraid to ask a lot of questions. See if you could talk to people who work there already. Um, the same way you're putting on your best face when you go into an interview, they're putting on their best face too. And you want to make sure it's a good fit. If there's something I learned um, in my leadership role is that if it's not a good fit, it's going to be a very miserable transition. So like even just the same way a good fit in a school when you're teaching is a big deal, like make sure you're philosophically aligned with wherever you're going. Um, make sure that if you have a vision for whatever role you're moving into, that that aligns with why they want to hire you. And don't be afraid to say no. Like just because you're offered a position doesn't mean you should take it. You want to make sure it's the right position. And on the flip side of that, if you get into a position that you think is the right position, it's okay if you leave after a year, if it's not the right position. I think a lot of people are really afraid of damaging their resume if they move around too much, but that that really hasn't been my experience. And I moved around a bit. Um, I think that finding a home that's a, a good fit is really more important than staying just because you're afraid that it could damage your future in education if you decide that, you know, like, I can't leave after a year, I have to wait for tenure, all the things that we think about when we make those kinds of switches. But I, there's there's so much to learn. And I would just go in with that growth mindset and kind of be ready to be challenged especially if you're in a situation where like the teachers you're coming into 
have more experience than you have in terms of how many years they've been with the district or how many years they've been in the classroom or if you're significantly younger than a lot of the teachers that are there. That that was my experience. And um, it was another hurdle to kind of overcome in that space. But, you know, if you take the time to build the relationships when you're doing those things, I think you could pretty much overcome anything. I love the sentiment about taking that time to interview. Um, and it's almost like you're interviewing them to find out if it's the right fit for you. And then also don't feel forced to stay somewhere because that can almost damage your career more if you're unhappy in your position and you're not working to your full potential. So it's really important to kind of have that mindset of I can test this out and see how it goes. And if it doesn't work, I can always return to the classroom or, you know, a different role than the one it's I'm in. It's funny you should say that, Courtney. It's still in the back of my head. I'm like, I could always go back to the classroom. And I, I can also honestly say since COVID, the last year or so is the first time in a really long time I haven't wanted to go back to the classroom. Um, my passion has really been with working with teachers to make their lives easier right now because whatever we can do to make teachers' lives easier in amid all the crazy stuff that's happening, I think um, it's, a, it's a higher calling to understand that they need support because they're not always getting it from, from their, the leaders that they have in their building. So any way that we could support them is always good. So we talk a lot about knowing our impact. Um, once in a leadership role, how can educators know that they're leading well? And what can they do when and if they hit a state of overwhelm? So I could say that the, it's, it's more of a when than an if um, when you move into a leadership role, partially because it's just so different. Your, your school day looks really different than it did. And I was not a building leader. I was a, a district leader. I was in a curriculum role. So there was a lot of new. I was a, a high school teacher and I taught secondary my entire career. So now I had to learn a lot about elementary ed, which I knew very little about. So they were my teachers. So again, going in with that open mind. Um, and there was a lot of overwhelm because I hold myself to a really high standard. And I think most teachers do. So when you walk into something that you don't feel very like the efficacy that you're bringing to the space isn't as high as you're used to in a classroom, I think that there's this impulse to sort of say, I should be able to do this better because when I was in my own space, I could do so many things and do them really, really well and problem solve really quickly and do what I have to do. But when you're in leadership, there are certain things that you really can't or shouldn't do. Um, you have to be a lot more mindful about what you say and where you say it because it impacts adults differently than it would kids. So like even on my blog at the time, um, I stepped in it a few times where I was very open about the challenges I was facing. And I did make sure that the post itself was very focused on me and the areas that I felt like I could have done better. But some of the teachers on my team thought I was talking about them, even though I wasn't. Um, the circumstance related to them, but it was about my experience and how I dealt with it. And it got me in a lot of trouble. Um, I found that when I moved into that leadership role, everybody was watching me all the time. Um, the, you know, the teachers union, the parents, a lot of 
pushback that I never experienced in my teaching role kind of happened. Um, and I would say in terms of how you know you're doing a good job, if you really put in the time to build relationships, to listen before you kind of push your change, like I was, I, I came in all fired up and ready to make change. And what I realized very quickly is that wasn't going to ingratiate me to the folks that I was working with at all. And that I first had to understand the way things functioned um, before I could start making suggestions. I would say, you know, you're having an imp impact when those early adopters kind of take you up on the offers. Like I was, like I said, always wanted to be the, the leader that I didn't have. So in my department meetings, I would say like, if you want me to come model or you want me to help design a lesson with you or a project, or you're afraid to try something new and you just want another pair of eyes in your room, like anything I could do to support to make your life easier. The first time a teacher was like, you know, I, I really want to try reflection in my classroom, but I don't know where to start. Can you come and model a lesson? I was like over the moon because I think it also kind of models for them. And it also like word spreads. Not only did she say she was going to do it, she made the time to do it. She came or she came and watched and it wasn't evaluative at all. It was just feedback and she wanted to see me succeed. And basically after one or two teachers shared those experiences or the first teacher I had to observe kind of told everyone whether I was hard or easy or fair or whatever, you know, like it, they started relaxing because what I was saying and what I was doing um, were congruent. And I think that that's really important too, that as much as you can only promise what you know you can actually do. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's out of your hands that I don't think teachers really understand until they're in a leadership role. I know I didn't. Um, I just thought some of my leaders were incompetent only to learn later that there's a lot of stuff you really can't do because someone over you is kind of wagging a finger or, you know, like it doesn't jive with what's happening in, in closed door offices. Um, and so it, it made me rethink even how I responded to a lot of my leaders in the past when I was in the classroom judging, judging their lack of understanding of what I was doing. And um, I, I have a lot more grace with people now, I think, after having tried it myself. Well, Star, we very much appreciate that vulnerability that you shared in that vignette, because I think that's something that's important for people to hear and you relifting the power of the relationship and the rapport of building in with, with new educators and, and leaning into that teacher expertise. I love hearing that, that we're going to lean into the expertise in the room and and own what we're still learning as coaches and as leaders. I mean, that's that we've got to keep, we're all learning all the time, right? <laughs> I mean, I think we kind of have to be. I just had that conversation the other day, like we're educators. If you have folks on your team who don't want to read, what is that saying really? Like, how could you be expecting students to do the things that you don't want to do? So we've got to be models of that good learning and stretching our own thinking at all times. And um, along those lines, Star, it, for those teachers who have done the evaluation and thought about their pros and cons, and they still feel like their true calling in this moment is in the classroom, tell us if they're not ready to take a new position, what are some ways that they can still be a leader while being within the classroom or within sure. the system? Sure. I mean, 
mentorship is huge. So, I mean, if you have the opportunity to mentor a new teacher or partner with somebody new or try something new, like if you get the opportunity to teach a class you never taught before, um, that might be something that you could do or getting involved in some kind of like committee. In my school, when I was in the city, there were tons of committees and I was on like, it felt like I was on all of them. Um, my favorite role, though, was my instructional coach role because I was both in the classroom and instructional coach and I led a teacher center. So I also had this opportunity to do professional learning for my colleagues. But I could also say, hey, if you want to come watch what I'm doing, the things I'm telling you to do, I do myself so that even though I was new in that building, they could see that what I was saying was also what I was doing and that it wasn't like a do as I say, not as I do kind of situation. Um, I think that there's also ways you could get involved in like state run or regional organizations. Like if you want to try out leadership in different ways, that was my first foray in, like I said before, with JEA, I became a state director for New York. And then I also had the opportunity to like be on the certification committee. Um, I was in ASCD for a long time as well. And I started getting really involved with that organization. I'm still really involved with that organization, not just as an author, because they've they've published several of my books. Um, but I was an emerging leader and I was also now I'm an ed champ. So like there are these different opportunities you might not know about that will expose you to leadership opportunities. So you could kind of dip your toe if you're not ready to go the whole hog yet. Um, and you know, if you have those opportunities, I strongly recommend them um, because you could know if it's something you like doing, working in that capacity versus jumping and realizing, you know what, like I love being in the classroom and I would rather um, lead from the classroom. And some systems, I don't know if Colorado has it, but some systems like in New York, we have a whole teacher leadership role. Um, and line where there was like lead teacher positions or master teacher positions where you get a stipend, you get extra PD, and then you get these opportunities to kind of bring people into your learning space. Um, and I think I think that that's a really good starting place if you're not sure if you want to go in that direction. Yeah, there's so many opportunities just within your school building where you can take on those leadership roles. And mm -hmm. thank you for bringing up mentoring because now more than ever, we need great mentors um, to usher mm -hmm. in these new teachers and help keep them in the profession and share all the wonderful things about it. Can you share with us a story of growth from your a time you transitioned from the classroom into a leadership role? Sure. There are, there are a lot of like, like, like I said before, I kind of stepped in it a lot. And I don't mean in a good way. Um, I'll give you a perfect for example. So I did an observation once. Um, it was an informal, so unannounced. I went in and it was in a content area that wasn't a content that I taught. So, you know, I had been in the PDs with the teachers um, in that department. And I walked in and I took my, you know, I, I'm, I script everything when I was doing observations and it became my habit that after I scripted, I sent the script to the teacher before our post observation with a list of questions so that they wouldn't be blindsided by anything. And instead of making accusations about what I didn't see, it gave them an opportunity to kind of fill the blind spot before we had the conversation um, together. And 
what ultimately ended up happening was I even went to a specialist in the field, like one of my colleagues who was also a leader, um, had a background in the content area that I was working. And I'm purposefully being vague in the event that if the teacher that this experience happened with is listening, nobody would know who the person is. So um, we had this whole conversation and the person didn't like my write-up after we had the conversation. She made a lot of not so nice comments. Um, I was kind of heartbroken. It was one of those situations, like I said before, where I did blog about it more because I was struggling with having a difficult conversation with a veteran teacher who had never gotten an observation that wasn't highly effective. And I had some real concerns about what I saw. Uh, and just because I don't teach that content area doesn't mean pedagogically what I saw was brilliant or not brilliant or whatever. And it wasn't ineffective or even developing. There were just a couple of developing things and it was mostly effective. But again, that wasn't something the person was really used to getting. I pride myself on making sure I treat people well. So the whole situation in retrospect, when I reflected on it, I wish I handled a little differently. Um, that conversation could have gone very differently had I approached it um, maybe a little bit more thoughtfully, gave the person a little bit more time to reflect before we sat down together. And then didn't publicize how I felt about having that challenging conversation because the post was more about the challenge I had in communicating, but it did directly impact the, the teacher. So, you know, hard learning lesson, but I, you know, I learned a lesson. I never made that mistake again, for sure. Well, I'm sure all of our newer coaches are appreciating hearing that sentiment. We all feel like we're supposed to rise to this, this pinnacle of, you know, always having everything perfectly professional and we all have slip ups at various moments. So being able to share in that growth mindset is powerful. Sure. It, it's harder with adults. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, it's not like I didn't mess up with kids um, and I had no problem apologizing to a student when I made a mistake or, you know, kind of making sure very publicly that it got rectified. And I had no problem with that too, but it, it took a lot longer with the adult to fix it. Like I couldn't just go the next day like I could in a class and turn it around. It, it was like a two-week process where it was eating me alive on the inside because I don't, I don't like not having things fixed. I will say it has a happy ending we did end up like coming to a good point. And then in my next year, we actually really like the whole tone of the relationship changed. So I did have a chance to make right. And I learned a lot from the situation. Um, but that was just like one of many. I mean, there, there was, I made a lot of mistakes my first year and it was every one of those mistakes became an opportunity to really rethink what my intention was and what the perception was. Um, and my mentor kept reminding me that perception is more important than intention because it, it's how it impacts the person you're working with. So it doesn't matter if I was coming from a good place, if that's not the way they received it. So trying to wear that empathy hat and sort of move through those experiences, really trying to assume positive intent all the time 
Um, and then trying to give myself grace when I made mistakes, which was, you know, often enough. <laughs> and this is where the rapport and relationship is so important. And knowing that it's okay when you make a mistake to go back and spend time repairing that relationship um, with the hope that they'll accept the apology and that you're able to move forward together. I think apologies are really important, especially like really um, heartfelt like meaning, like they have to feel that you mean it and you have to do better next time. Like that's the other thing. You can't just apologize. You have, you have to do better and it's not doing better the way you think is better. It's asking them what you need to do to repair the harm so that you can move past it. So it's also being open to that feedback when it comes. Absolutely. And I love the small notion you put in there of how children are so flexible and so forgiving that they will sometimes turn on a dime for us. But as adult learners and as adult people in growth stance, we're just sometimes it takes longer and we have to honor that time and space in order to get over the speed bump, if you will. But one more reason why we're in it for the kids, because they are the most amazing, most flexible and um, remarkable little humans are such a great way to start start humans, right? So I am just so glad that you got to bring that notion as well to the front. And we are going to switch just slightly here, Star, and we're going to shift gears slightly to our rapid fire questions. So we always okay. want to start with putting you on the pedestal and you being able to share with us all of the things. Where can we connect with you? Where can we follow you? And what do you have um, coming down the pike for us? Sure. So Twitter is always best at Miss Saxteen. I have a website, MissSaxteen.com. Everything's kind of branded Miss Saxteen. So if you want to email me, it could be Miss Saxteen at Gmail. Um, my company's website is MasteryPortfolio.com. And I just finished a new book with ASCD that's about student-led conferences and portfolios. And hopefully that'll be out later this year. Um, and hopefully too, I just pitched an idea for a a uh, second edition of From Teacher to Leader, but with um, From Teacher to Leader to COO and talking about alternative career pathways um, since so many teachers right now are questioning whether or not they want to stay, unfortunately. I think you could have impact from a lot of different places. Totally. And tell us, Star, what is your tagline or bumper sticker for coaching? Changing changing the world one mind at a time. Awesome. I, I mean, that's just transverses education in general, right? I love that. Yep. Tell us, what is your secret coaching superpower or your go-to move that we haven't heard yet? Um, I don't know if it's a coaching superpower, but it's definitely like an educator superpower. I am really good at finding loopholes and exploiting them. So <laughs> I, you know, like I always joke that especially when I started throwing out grades in a system that didn't really accommodate that, I found a way to make it work. And I think that systems are sometimes overly structured and almost not conducive to a lot of growth. So I find a way to do what's best for the folks I'm working with um, within the confines of what the system allows, but maybe not the most direct route. Thank you so much, Star, for sharing all of your wealth of knowledge with us. We really appreciate having you here today. Thanks so much. It was so much fun. Star offered some great insight into taking the leap into a leadership role. As a coach, how can you help your educators take on more leadership responsibilities or find the place that's just right for them? Thanks for listening to another episode of C3 and be sure to follow us on Twitter at C3 Coaches or on Instagram. 
Thanks for listening. C3, connecting, coaches, cognition. Whose thinking will you mediate today?